Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, we're here. It's the Monday after Championship Sunday. Still one game left with a lot of implications, especially in one guillotine that I can think of at the moment. Yep. Um, uh, I'm not not talking about it. Yeah. I'm not talking about it. Well, anyway, but there is... There is a lot of implications on this Monday game, but we are basically in off-season mode right now. And because it's the new year, happy happy new year to you. How happy are you 2023. Doing? Had my heart ripped open about 10 seconds into 2023. It's going to be a great year. Sad OHIO. Oh, H-I-O. O-H-I-O shit. That was on a silver fucking platter for me, and I missed it. O-H-I-O fuck. <laughs> I completely missed that. God damn it. Adam, it's very good. It's very good. I'll take what I can get. A joke was on a silver platter, and I fucking missed it. Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah. So, with the new year... Uh, we have some New Year's resolutions for fantasy because really that's what you need to do when, honestly, whether you win a championship, whether you get knocked out of the playoffs or you miss the playoffs or you're you know, spending 24 hours in a Waffle House because you finished in last place. Or playing fiddle in your local town, one or the other. Or, or running the NFL Combine in a singlet or something weird like that. True. Yeah, that's also true. So let's, so we each have a couple of New Year's resolutions just for us personally. Um, and I'm sure that these will apply to our loyal listeners as well. Because New, New is, Year's resolution number one don't get married. Well, neither of us are married. So, <laughs> well, I'm not getting married in 2023. So you say, unless. <laughs> Unless there's some prospect out there that I don't know about yet. <laughs> Put it this way. I can't afford to get married right now. I cannot afford that. That is, uh, that's fair. Weddings are expensive. Oh, they are very expensive. Trust me. I have a little inside baseball perspective on that because somebody in my family got married this year. So True. yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. Yes. And for, and for both of us, wives are also expensive. And eventually the most expensive thing that anybody will ever have in their life, children are hella expensive. Yes. And if anybody has watched the league, you know that wives can wives and fancy football don't mix. Sure. They do. You just got to find the right one. Yeah. You just got to find the right one. That'll support your uh, filthy habit. Listen, you can't just, I mean, I, when you put it like that, it sounds a lot worse than it is. Listen, there are there are many parameters that will need to be agreed and signed prior to me committing to a marriage. One of those things is wife will have to respect that Sunday, Thursday night, Sunday, and Monday night are holy days. Also, you got to set aside some budget for, uh, for buy-ins, for league buy-ins. Now that's called working. Yeah, that, 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 that's called working. That's called working and having, and having separate bank accounts. 
It has, which, to, it has to constantly be in the budget. Anybody, anybody who has just a joint bank account with your spouse is an idiot. Is an idiot. This is coming from someone that's not married. <laughs> Great advice. Seriously, like it's just so stupid. Well, anybody, well, first of all, anybody who gets married in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three and doesn't have a prenup, that's also idiotic. Man, I did not think that this was going to be this kind of podcast when you hit record. Fifty percent of marriages end in divorce nowadays, Adam. I know. Is that still so, accurate? It, it might be more, honestly. I mean, yeah. Given the way the world is now, it probably is more. I I can't say I've looked it up, so I don't know what the actual... prenup. Yes. Well, you should. That's anyway, it. And then there'll, be, there'll be people that there'll be people that'll say, "Oh, but signing a prenup is such a such a bad way to start a marriage." No, it's not. You're protecting yourself. You're protecting your partner. And you're saving both of you individually as well as collectively from having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially in litigation because you two were too idiotic to put your collective heads together and sign a practical insurance policy. It's basically like doing a tra- doing trapeze without a net at the bottom. Yeah, precisely. Yep. Precisely. So if you're going to learn anything from this podcast today is out- that is outside of fantasy football, this is how, this is how you know the offseason started because we could just ramble and go on and on and on. Get your prenup signed, gentlemen. Yes. Well, you don't. You don't, be... you don't give that ring until 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 that prenup is signed. <laughs> it's true. Um, let's get into our resolutions. What is your first New Year's resolution for this year in fantasy football? Wow, you gave it. You gave it to me first. I have. I have carte blanche here. Um, I think. I think one of the things that I'm gonna do is just go on a draft sort of strategy um and that is actually you know what i'm not going to i'm not gonna i'll I'll save it because i don't think i don't think you're gonna you're gonna go with this one there is one that i think i know you're gonna you're going to go with so i'm gonna take it from you and that is don't assume injuries don't assume that a guy that you have preconceived notions about coming into the season it's just going to be hurt again. And who am I talking about? I'm obviously talking about Christian McCaffrey. Or DeAndre McCaffrey Swift is the opposite. I'm sorry. Swift is the Swift is the opposite of that. That actually was one of the other ones that I was going to say. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not touching it. Um, but the all summer long, we were talking about who's the number one pick at fantasy. It was either Jonathan Taylor or it was Christian McCaffrey. There was some some argument maybe for Austin Eckler, you know, you know, a, a little bit, which honestly would have been the correct choice, but. The both the the two that people were going back and forth on were Jonathan Taylor and and Christian McCaffrey. The pro side of it, which is correct, was that Christian McCaffrey, if he is healthy, had the most upside over any other running back in fantasy football. But over the course of the last two years, missed approximately seventy five percent of his games. So that was that was the argument. Is you know what do you what do you do? Uh, then with Jonathan Taylor, it was more the ceiling may not be as great as McCaffrey, especially in, in full PPR, but the the floor was much more set. Like you, you knew it was going to be a safe pick, air quotes, with, with little downside. And what ended up happening? Christian McCaffrey is now, I believe he's the RB three or four in in, in full point, and Jonathan Taylor 
missing six games this year, all with ankle injuries. So basically what it, what it all comes down to is you can't assume guys are going to be going in. You can't assume going into a draft next year that guys are going to be healthy. You just got to draft the best possible teams. And also it's proven that the number one pick is just a curse. So if you see a consensus number one pick, zig while everyone else zags. That could that so, could also be another uh, New Year's resolution of of its own separate in, in, uh, entity. But um, yeah, my my first New Year's resolution is I'm not going to assume injuries anymore. I'm just going to draft guys, and if they get hurt, tough shit. That that's just that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. So this is a very interesting thing that you bring up because I do agree with you to a point, but I feel like you still do need to factor in that. And like, you can't, yes, you cannot predict injuries. You can't predict health in general for players. But I feel like, and this is something that we talked to talked about over last off season, where it was like, what are like, the odds are good that something like that will happen again, just because for McCaffrey, as the example, just because he has been injured for the past three years or the past couple of years, basically since he signed um, that contract, his big contract after his rookie deal. So um, I feel like you do have to weigh that in. And I was talking about DeAndre Swift before. And I mean, this is a little personal just because I have him and uh, Jamal Williams, but DeAndre Swift has been hurt for at least for some stretch of time throughout his entire career. And I think that you do have to factor that in when you're drafting him because it's like, it's becoming a trend, especially guys that have, you know, those soft tissue, lower body injuries, like hamstrings, uh, where it's like, it's, it's very, it's a lot more touch and go. Keenan Allen is a guy that is, uh, that was kind of like that where he was hurt a lot of the year. I mean, another op, another opposite case is Saquon Barkley. I mean, we thought like who we thought that's a great one too. That's a missing, great one. Missing a couple games, but he ended up staying pretty healthy and putting up a really good season for for the New York Giants. Now they're in the playoffs, but um, and like uh, you, you just have to you do have to factor that in, and I don't think you can really avoid players necessarily just on the basis of injury, but you could use that as a tiebreaker for sure, where you're like, well, is this guy like you're drafting a guy to be your RB one RB two, you know, the best ability is availability, not to be a cliche uh, machine or or anything, but but it is for a reason. And you, you draft guys that you want to play for you, not to sit on the sideline. I mean, really the other thing with this is you just have to invest in handcuffs. If you're going to get a guy that's injury prone, for sure. You have to prioritize that handcuff. Yes, bird. Pick me, please. So I'm I'm going to counter that, and I'm going to refer to an instance that we had last year when we were in the co-own together, mm-hmm. and that is with the aforementioned DeAndre Swift. Why did DeAndre Swift fall to us when he did? Because of injury concerns. Correct. Did DeAndre Swift end up helping us despite the injury concerns? We did make the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. He helped us. He helped us. He went a whole round later than probably he he, he should have. Um, 
We also had Jamal Williams, which is which is the key. You got to prioritize those handcuffs. Sure. For those sure. guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to prioritize the handcuffs. But there is there is such thing as passing on a guy because you're concerned about the injuries and then not taking a guy when you should take that guy, but you're just being stubborn because of because of said injury concerns. You got to gamble. You got to gamble because I we've, I've seen it so many times in fantasy football. You don't win championships by being safe. You get to the playoffs by being safe, but you don't win championships by being safe. You have to take some risks along the way. And this actually goes into another uh, resolution that I have that we'll, I don't get to uh, on the come around. But taking DeAndre Swift was a risk last year. It was a risk this year because there are, ob- there are obviously concerns. It paid off last year. It didn't necessarily pay off this year. But if you had Jamal Williams, you at least got some benefit out of having DeAndre Swift. If you just had DeAndre Swift by himself and you didn't have Jamal Williams, obviously you were screwed. So yeah, it, it does come down to you have to have the handcuffs. Absolutely. That's that's that could be its own separate discussion. We have it every year. Um I'm sure we'll have it again at some point. Um, but the the number one thing for me, and this again goes and ties back into the uh resolution. I'm just never going to assume that a guy's going to come into the year and say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to get hurt because he has had injury concerns in the past. It, it's just not happening. I'm not doing it anymore. It's not a bad idea because, I mean, you will get players at massive values if you do it that way, which is what happened to us with DeAndre Swift. There, were, there, were, there were several drafts that I, I was in, Adam, because uh, with Christian McCaffrey falling to like four or five because people were concerned about Christian McCaffrey and his health. And odds are those people at four or five that took Christian McCaffrey are either in third place games playing for their money or in championships. Yeah. All right. So my first New Year's resolution is something that we've talked about that we've hinted that we're going to have a discussion about, but don't assume that a big trade slash free agent quarterback will automatically put at the same level of production with his new team. Hmm. Okay. This is this should be the Russell Wilson slash Matt Ryan slash Carson Wentz award or uh, resolution just because looking at all three of those situations have failed miserably. So if you're going if you're saying looking at like let's say Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to be a free agent this year, Derek Carr who's going to be cut or traded, uh, Lamar Jackson who's going to be a free agent this year who may or may not stay with the Ravens, Aaron Rodgers who might be traded. Um, Tom Brady, if he go leaves in free agency or is traded, you have to be more wary about that. We all assumed, like when Russell Wilson came to the Broncos, we all assumed, oh, this is going to be great for, I, listen, Javante Williams, notwithstanding, because he tore his ACL. So he doesn't necessarily count. But, you know, we th- all thought this is going to be great for, um, Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy and I guess the running backs, but it just hasn't, it didn't work out um, for the Colts. It was terrible. Michael Pittman, all time bust this year. Jonathan I would Taylor, say all time, but definitely a bust. He was a definitely, he was a huge bust this year. Um, Jonathan Taylor couldn't put up the same production with that, with that team. Uh, Carson Wentz was benched 
after being hurt because his backup would outperformed him. And then the coaching staff stupidly put him back in just in time for fantasy championships for him to break our hearts because he doesn't throw the ball to Terry McLaurin. But um, those situations, you really do have to be mindful of that. And honestly, it's kind of the same thing with receivers going into new situations. You need to see, you need to be more wary about that production. And the only big time example I can think of really is, well, actually I can think of two. And there are two kind of extreme angles or opposite angles where you have Devontae Adams going to uh, Vegas and then Allen Robinson going to LA. We all thought that Allen Robinson, we were all so happy that Allen Robinson was going to be in a situation with a real quarterback in Matt Stafford. And that whole situation was a mess in LA. Devontae Adams, he had some good games, but he also had some duds too. So, and that just didn't happen on when he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback in Green Bay. So, yeah, that's kind of my, that's one of my big New Year's resolutions is like, just be wary of that, of quarterbacks and players in new situations. And this could just be overarching into be wary, be wary of players going into new situations and new teams. And don't just assume that they will achieve their same level of production that they were on their old teams. Again, I think it all just comes down to situation. I mean, yeah, the the, the Denver thing was a, a calamitous disaster, but of epic proportions with with Russell Wilson. I guess this this could also tie into uh, another resolution that I had in the list. And I think I think I'm actually going to bring it up because it is pertinent a little bit. And one of the ones that I was going to say is that drafting quarterback in round three, round four, getting some of those elite options may actually be beneficial because you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts. Those, those, those quarterbacks all have over 360 fantasy points. Patrick Mahomes is 393 before Josh Allen takes the field tonight. Then outside of that, because everyone, everyone knows, I've been on this podcast for however many years now, and I've always said that drafting quarterback late is the way that I go. Drafting quarterback late is still also the move because you still have outside of Mahomes, Allen Hurts, which are top three for the season, you still have Justin Fields as the QB5, Geno, Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. All outside of that, but in, be- in between that, you also have Joe Burrow, who Joe Burrow, he was drafted as like the QB4, QB5 in, in, in most places. But then outside of that, Fields QB5, Geno QB6, Daniel Jones QB7, Trevor Lawrence QB8, Kirk Cousins QB9, Jared Goff QB10. So there's still there's still an environment out there where not taking the quarterback in round three or round four is still the move. So I guess maybe what it could come down to also with the whole quarterback situation, because quarterback quarterback is always an, and Adam, you know, this as well. The quarterback is the most fruitful position in fantasy. It's the easiest position to replace. It, it is so easy to do it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go and you want to take one of those higher end options, you could definitely do it. Cause I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I think he, he leads the way in all scoring for fantasy players this year, let alone just the quarterback position. So I guess my point, going back to what you were saying, Adam, with with the situation 
yes and no, because I think you you look at a guy like Justin Fields and you say and you can look at the Bears record and you could say, man, oh, man, the Bears are absolutely terrible. But Justin Fields has been terrific for fantasy purposes. And Justin Fields, to me, he's very Jalen Hurtsy. Like, I will be in on Justin Fields in a lot of places next year, and I know a lot of others will be as well. Because I think with Jalen Hurts last year, it was Jalen Hurts without A.J. Brown. If the Chicago Bears can get Justin Fields a legitimate wide receiver one, and we're talking about a proven wide receiver one. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about that the Bears go out and they, and they draft a... JSN. Um, who? JSN. Oh, sure. Sure. If they draft a Jackson Smith and Jake, but if they draft a uh, Mario Addison, if they draft a, uh, a Quentin Johnston, that won't do it for me. They have to go out and they have to get Justin Fields a proven number one receiver in the National Football League. Now, who it's going to be, I don't know. Trade Devontae Adams back into the division. <laughs> if Devontae Adams is going anywhere, he's going back to Green Bay in the friendly confines of Aaron Rodgers. So let's make that abundantly clear. Um, but if they can get Justin Fields, that number one wide receiver, uh, Justin Fields is going to be the breakout candidate of all breakout candidates next year. Yeah, and I think this goes into a New Year's resolution that I, I'm sorry, I'm going to go, I'm going to steal one. Um, but you're, loop, you're looping on my loop that I was looping from your loop. Yes. Got it. Flowcharts flow will not be provided. I'm sorry. The flowcharts are all <laughs> over the place. Flowcharts are absolutely broken right now. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I didn't write down initially, but I think that this is something that will actually definitely apply to me as a face. And the way that I think about face football is please like, don't be so curmudgeonly about rushing quarterbacks until they change passing touchdowns to be six points. Do not be curmudgeonly about rushing quarterbacks. And by that, I mean, don't just be like, oh, these sucks as a passer. So I'm not going to take them when the rushing upside is there. Yep. Thank you. I was saying that before the year. I know. Well, you know, I was the I was the guy that was like, oh, well, you know. Noted Lamar Jackson hater, apparently. <laughs> but well, I mean, your, uh, Lamar, your Lamar Jackson take was. At the end of the day was, in fact, correct. Yeah, but he's hurt. So, you know, injuries. But even when he played, even when not, he played, Lamar wasn't really that good. Well, he doesn't have any real receivers. So it's it's different. Like Jalen Hurts is a great example of that. And um, once we loop around, there's another uh, resolution I have about running quarterbacks. But I feel like this year, heading into this year, I will try to be more open-minded about rushing quarterbacks because there is a lot more value and the ceiling is higher with those guys. As long as we are still in a world where passing touchdowns are only worth four points. I'm just going back to the Lamar take for a minute. Um, So Lamar Jackson played in 12 games this year in a normal fantasy schedule. How many, how many games do you think Lamar Jackson had over 20 fantasy points? Without looking. Um, that's a great question. I'm going to say five. Close. Really? Six? Four? Four. Four. 33%. That's not That's great. awful. That's awful. That That is a guy that, be- that belonged on waiver wire in week 10. 
And I'm, I'm being very honest. That's a, well, guy, yeah. that's a guy that should have been dropped. Because, you know, the Ravens were basically stunting his development by not getting him any receivers and trading away the one receiver that he liked. Uh, yes, yes and no. They had Rashad Bateman there, but no one, no one foresaw Rashad Bateman, you know, going down as early as he did. So that's not – it's not on Baltimore's shortcomings. Well, it is because they only had one, one guy, really. But look, but Baltimore is not a team that wants to throw the ball downfield. That's just their philosophy. They would, they would rather run the ball 50 times a game with their five running backs and their three rushing quarterbacks they have on their roster. Yeah, they really do, don't they? Yeah, I, I say it all. I say it all the time that Mark Andrews is literally a thorn in the side of the Baltimore Ravens because he forces them to have to pass the ball. If there were no Mark Andrews, they would not. They would not pass the ball. They would drop back maybe twenty times. Yeah, I mean it's it's true because they're trying to run like a like the wishbone basically. Now, and I just want to make this very clear because there are there are people that are rolling their eyes right now. I I I know it. I'm not saying that the Ravens don't want don't want Mark Andrews. Of course they do, but I'm just saying that Mark Andrews is the reason why they throw the ball. Are you sure you're? You basically said that Mark Andrews is antithetical to the Ravens' philosophy. L- listen, listen. If <laughs> if the Ravens do want to trade Mark Andrews, um, I suggest they uh, they give Jerry Jones a call because I'm sure that there will be about. 30 other teams in the National Football League that would call the Baltimore Ravens for uh, Mr. Mark Andrews. The, the, no, the only team that wouldn't would be the Kansas City Chiefs. No, it would be the New York Jets because they don't know how to use tight ends. True. Also true. I hate very, yeah, just... very quickly, very quickly before we, before we go into the uh, next uh, resolution here. Um, just very quickly, rapid fire, no analysis. No analysis needed. Do you agree with the Jets way podcast that Rob Sala should be fired? Yes or no? No. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That's all I needed. Yeah. There was some, uh, there was some vitriol on, uh, from what I assume is Jake. Oh, I think it's absolutely. Just, absolutely. I mean, he, he, he deserves to be on the hot seat next year, but he does not deserve to be fired because his team just does not. I know you said no analysis, but he just can't get his team up for games. They, they always come out and they look unprepared and like they keep making boneheaded plays. And it's been like this for three coaches now. I mean, I just completely disagree. I think it's, it's the shortcut. It's the shortcomings of the organization for not being able to find a quarterback. Like why are people surprised that Mike white is bad? Yeah. But what about the defense? The defense is terrible. The defense lost the defense has, defense has been bad for the, like the last month. Yeah. They've been bad for they've been bad for the last month. But this is also a young team. This is what happens. This should see, be fired though. The worst thing that ever happened to the New York Jets was even sniffing playoff contention. Seriously. It's true. Seriously. Well, it's because like, you, have, you have people like Jake, and I hope Jake listens to this because I would I will say it to his face. <laughs> people like Jake. That actually thought the New York Jets were going to make the playoffs. They were not making the playoffs. No, absolutely not. Not a chance. Well, honestly, if they after, were making the playoffs, they were one and done. After like the Buffalo game, 
I was like, if, even if they do make the playoffs or even the Jacksonville game on Thursdays, like, even if they do make the playoffs, what are they, they going to do in the playoffs? Nothing. Nothing. They're going to be like the Patriots last year. They're going to get like, they're going to get smirked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to be to be quite honest, though, whoever does get the seventh seed, may God have mercy on their souls because they're probably going up against Buffalo. They're going up against one of Buffalo, Cincinnati, or Kansas City. And like I said, may God have mercy on their souls. Yeah. But anyway, I don't think they should fire Rob Sala because okay. I feel like he's still, I don't know. The culture is kind of there, but he just needs something. They need to do something. They need to fire somebody, but not him. See, I don't think we need to fire anybody, but are the is the hot seat extremely warm? Yeah, absolutely. If he, if he doesn't do anything next year, I think he gets fired. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. And that that's fair. Yeah, unless you're bringing uh, Sean Payton in, then no. Sean Payton be- is not going to the Jets. Sean Payton is not going to the Jets. He's not going to the Broncos. There are only two teams that I potentially foresee that Sean Payton would go to if their jobs were to open up. It's the Chargers and it's Dallas. Well, he's, he's going to go to a place where they have an established quarterback ready to go. Yeah. So if Sean McDermott were to get fired tomorrow, if Mike McDaniel were to get fired tomorrow, if uh, Andy Reid were to step down, if um, Brandon Staley were to get fired, but he's not getting fired. If, if Mike Tom were to get fired, he's not getting fired. If Mike Tomlin gets traded to Carolina, like see, you I said, don't even think Sean Payton would go to the Steelers because we don't we don't really? know about Kenny Pickett. I think there has to be a firmly established star at the at the quarterback position for Sean Payton to even consider that team. Would he go to Tampa Bay? No, Tom Bowles gets fired. No, that team is a mess. I don't know. The team is a mess, and if Brady doesn't come back, I think it's going to be even more of a mess. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's that's. There's a whole off season for this. So, uh, what's your next New Year's resolution? Uh, don't be afraid of the rookies. I know this is a great year for rookies. It was. If we just look at, if we look at the running back position, you had three of them that were top twenty four on a points per game basis: Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce. Um. And even Travis Etienne was in the top 24 as well. So only technically a rookie. Well, technically, yes. If you consider if you consider him missing all of last year, then yes. He's a he red shirt be. freshman. Yeah, red shirt freshman. There you go. Perfect. But then even looking, <laughs> even looking at the wide receivers and looking at the rookie wide receivers that really all really for the most part, they all were were pretty they were solid. They were solid. I wouldn't say they they blew the doors off or anything, but you had Traylon Burks, who showed flashes. Uh, Garrett Wilson was was really good. Yeah, a thousand uh, yards yesterday. Chris, oh, Chris Olave. I knew this one. I knew it was another big one that I was missing. Uh, Chris Olave was was fantastic for fantasy managers. Was Christian Watson for most of the season? Christian Watson came onto the scene. Had that little four or five game stretch there. Yeah, he he's also another one. You got to take chances on on these rookie guys, and you got to hope that they're that they're going to pan out. I think the thing also to consider. Well, you he's, forgot about George Pickens also. He's been. Oh, yeah. George Pickens is, is, is a good one, too. Is a good one, too. But yep. the thing with I think I'm, I'm going to focus on the running backs for a second. because it's, it's a lot easier for the running backs, I think, to for you to dissect which running backs are going to break out versus the receivers. 
I think with the running backs, and this goes for next year, you have to look at where those running backs go. You got to look at where Bijan Robinson goes. You got to look at where Jameer Gibbs goes. And you have to you have to try and assess do they have a clear pathway for touches? And I think with Bijan, there are two spots right away that jump off the page make a lot of sense. The Eagles make a shit ton of sense and Dallas. Now, if Zeke is not back, Bijan slides into the Zeke role. Happy days. He's probably going as a top three or four round running back in drafts. If he goes to Philadelphia, that's a bit of a tricky one because you also have Miles Sanders there. But eventually, Bijan would, would, would just take that job. So well, you, also, they like to use committee in Philadelphia. I mean, they're rotating between Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, and Boston Scott still. I think they're going by committee in, in, in Philadelphia because they just don't trust Miles Sanders. Yeah. Like, I don't think Miles Sanders is good. And he's a and noted fantasy football hater, Miles Sanders. So I think he's terrible now. But in all seriousness, one of my New Year's resolutions should, could be fuck Miles Sanders because he screwed me in two playoff games. And he don't give a fuck about your fantasy yeah. teams. Two and soon to be three, actually. He don't give a fuck about your fantasy teams. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler said prior to drafts, Take me, I'll put you on my back. I did, Big Eck. No, I noted did. fantasy lover, Austin Eckler. New Year's, Resol- New Year's Re- fantasy resolution. Draft guys who you know love fantasy football. Yeah. But it all comes down with the, with the, with the rookies. You just got to be patient. And you look at the situations where you had rookies or second-year players in the case of Travis Etienne that they had to overtake veterans. And that's exactly what happened. Brees Hall eventually overtook Michael Carter because Michael Tar- Michael Carter is not good. And Brees Hall was looking great until because he's a New York Jet tore his ACL and the Jets are allergic to having nice things. Kenneth Walker. Yeah, they really are. Kenneth Walker took over for Rashad Penny when he got hurt. Kenneth Walker ran away with the job. Was a bit inconsistent, really, but I think I think he'll improve on that next year. And I it, and honestly, he was he was great because Seattle was a was a it, it still is. A, a fairly competitive team and they have a sh- outside chance to make the playoffs. And then Damian Pierce as well. Damian Pierce came into the year really as, as like as the guy and was just a victim of the fact that the Texans were absolutely terrible. I would say with Damian Pierce though, especially in, in, in keeper and in dynasty, I know there's some people who might be panicking on Damian Pierce. I'm not panicking on him just because the Texans can't be any worse. They're going to have a rookie quarterback there next year. They're going to draft a quarterback with number one pick. That's going to make this offense so much better. And I, I would say that you have a second-year running back with Damian Pierce, pairing him with a rookie number one overall pick. I think it's going to create more opportunities for Damian Pierce, and the team has to get Where is better. He on? So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on my knees. But then uh, Travis Etienne as well overtook James Robinson. Etienne won the job. James Robinson got traded, and Etienne's been basically the guy with Jamichael Hasty. And James no. Robinson has been terrible. He has done nothing with the Jets. Correct. And I mean, and, and listen, the the rookie class for the receiver position, it was it was good. I believe. I'm trying to think of the number off the top of my head. I've read this before, but I believe there's six rookies that are in the top 48 wide receivers in half. I believe that's the number. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe that was the number that I was reading before. Um, and then, but that compared to the 2021 rookie class the 2021 rookie class was crazy i think you had three top 24 wide receivers in the 2021 class 
And then he had one top oh, that- four running back last year as well. Well, I know that also 2020 was very good as well because you had Justin Jefferson. Yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. Jefferson was that Jefferson, Metcalf, um, CD, CD Lamb, those, those guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it just comes down to the fact that the transition from college to the NFL has become a little bit easier in, in the past few years, especially with, you know, these skill players. So I guess my, my, well, quarterback underlying, so underlying point here, my thesis is I'm not going to be afraid to draft rookies uh, next year, and neither should you. Yeah, well, quarterbacks, I don't know. I would still be kind of wary about that. But rookie rookie receivers and running backs, I think you should get, you should definitely um, do that. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarter, quarterback is an entirely different situation. Um, and this goes into one of my other New Year's resolutions, which is factor quarterback play more into – a wide receiver slash tight ends numbers because I th- not to harp on the Broncos again, but you know, well, it's not, it wasn't even just the Broncos. The Broncos probably weren't even the worst defender for this. I mean, you look at the jets, I mean, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore were terrible with, with Zach Wilson. Um, you look at, you know, the, the fiasco, in Arizona with Tampa Bay in the Tampa Bay game with Trace McSorley, just looking, having his uh, GPS locked on Greg Dorch for an entire game. Um, you just have to factor that in. You really do. And like for Pittsburgh where uh, it seemed like Kenny Pickett didn't know that Deontay Johnson existed on some plays, but when Mitch Trubisky was in, Deontay Johnson was getting a lot more production and it was the reverse with George Pickens. So I think that you do have to factor in quarterback play and, and chemistry with um, when you're looking at receivers and honestly running backs too, especially if you're looking at pass catching running backs, because going to Arizona again with Trace McSorley, I mean, James Conner got so many uh, throws out of the backfield in checkdowns. A stupid yeah, amount of checkdowns. So many checkdowns. And you do have to look into that. You know, you have to see, you know, we always ask because it feels like muscle memory to ask. So how does this affect the offense when we, when a quarterback changes, but you do really have to think about what, how does this affect the offense? How does this actually affect production? Cause you can't just assume that it's going to be the same thing over and over again, just be even with a different quarterback. So I just want to check you on one thing. And that's the Deontay Johnson point. I think the Deontay Johnson point is a bit of a moot one because if you look at the Steelers and just, just their array of weapons, just generally, if you look at the receivers and you look at the tight ends, Adam, you want to guess how many touchdowns a Steelers receiver and tight end has scored this year combined? It's probably not a lot, which is probably why you're asking. Um, I'm going to say 20. Oh, way off. Really? Way off. Lower or higher? Lower. Uh, 10. Lower. Five? Higher. Seven. Lower. Six. Oh. Six. George Pickens has three. Pat Fryermuth has two. And Connor Hayward has one. 
But looking at Deontay Johnson's numbers, if you had Deontay Johnson in full point PPR, he has 137 targets. That is clear by most in this team. And you also got to consider that Chase, Clay, uh, Chase Claypool got on the, on the action as well at some point when he was in Pittsburgh. I understand that. But 137 targets for Deontay Johnson, 84 catches, 844 yards. You then stack that up against other receivers in his scoring in his scoring range. And Deontay Johnson right now is clocking in in full point PPR as the wide receiver 29. Looking at the receivers in his range, you're looking at guys like Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jerry Judy, Chris Olave, Zay Jones, DJ Moore, Garrett Wilson, Cooper Cup. Obviously, Cooper Cup injured. You can't really count that. But the rest of those guys, every other name I just said has less catches than Deontay Johnson. So you give Deontay Johnson a couple of touchdowns, you give him three, four touchdowns, automatically you're vaulting him to over a 200-point fantasy player just because just because of the touchdowns. And you're putting him now in a group with the likes of Michael Pittman, with Chris Godwin, with Brandon Ayuk, with T. Higgins, so to speak, even though they have seven, eight touchdowns respectively. I, I center around the guys like God like Godwin and, and Michael Pittman. Those are the those are the two that I think are, are very comparable. Both have both have Pittman has 96 catches and Godwin has 98. You give Deontay Johnson three or four touchdowns, automatically he's he's in that group of receivers, and we're not necessarily talking about Deontay Johnson having a down season. Like I don't think people are going to say that Chris Godwin necessarily had a down year because Chris Godwin, week to week, his floor was pretty safe. Michael Pittman was uh, obviously much maligned because of the uh, the fact that he was a member of the Indianapolis Colts, but Deontay Johnson's gotten the looks. He just hasn't scored. So it all comes down to you give it, you give him more touchdowns. And there haven't been many passing touchdowns to go around in the Pittsburgh offense because there hasn't been much scoring that's gone on in Pittsburgh this year. But you give him three or four touchdowns, he's automatically in that group. But going back to your original point, you have to factor a quarterback play into who you take. Uh, absolutely. And this, and this all goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the year. We did that mock draft experiment of taking guys on good teams. Yeah, it, it, it's pr- it's proven to be to be correct to a point, because I think we've also seen the hot potato known as DJ Moore. He's had some really, really, really good weeks and some really, really, really bad weeks. And it's just a matter of, you know, finding the weeks where you can rely on DJ Moore to do next of anything. But also Mike Evans. Well, Mike Evans, I, 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 that that is a whole case study in and of itself. Because it was just last week we were talking about maybe Mike Evans wouldn't get a thousand yards. He now has one thousand one hundred and twenty-four and six touchdowns. So automatically you look at we're gonna we'll look back on Mike Evans' season in five years. We'll look back on that number and we'll be like, oh yeah. He had a great season. He had over 1,100 yards. He had six touchdowns. What's everyone bitching about? Meanwhile, no, I, I in championship, the... <laughs> he had 50 points, 50 in change points. He had 225 points on the season. Adam, he nearly had, he had about 35% of his points the entire season in one game. No, I will look at you with my 1,000-yard stare and remember the agita that Mike Evans caused me. In the non-guillotine. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we also we both said also that Brady was going to get Mike Evans' 1,000 yards. Yeah. Well, I think they did, they did the same thing in 2020 or something, or maybe yep. last year. Yep. So, 
you know, it's like uh, Cal Ripken, you know, with his hit with his uh, played game streak and Phil Kessel, you know, going on the ice for a shift and then leaving to uh, go help his go be with his wife as his son was being born or his child was being born. So, yeah, this, this is an entire entirely different um, conversation at this point that I'm about to make. But I think, Adam, do you agree that Mike Evans had the most fluky top 12 fantasy season of all time? He's currently the wide receiver 11. That's without that's without Jamar Chase and T. Higgins not having gone yet. Also, Stefan Diggs. Oh, he's already there. Right? Diggs is there. Diggs is there. He's okay. the wide receiver four. Um, just by sheer fact that I don't, I can't give you any data to be like, oh, this guy had a flukier season. But if I looked it up, I guess I could. I, I don't know. In recent memory, yes. How many single-digit fantasy uh, point games do you think Mike Evans had? He played in 16 games. I should be able to tell you this. He played in, wow, he played in every game somehow. No, wait. He missed one. He missed one. He missed one. He got suspended for one. Correct. Um, 15 games. He played in 15 games. So, okay. How many single-digit point point weeks do you have? I'm going to say he had eight. Very close. Seven. Wow. Seven. Yeah. But if we're talking about the floor, for what I would expect a good receiver to have, which is 15 points, he met that criteria five times. Oof. That's brutal. That's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Only six touchdowns in the year. 50% of them came in one game. Hadn't scored before this week since week four. Like that's against brutal. Kansas City. That's against brutal. Kansas City, right? On Sunday night. Kansas City, do you know the other game that he scored in? He scored against Dallas, I'm pretty sure, right? He did, week one. Yeah. Gave every gave everyone some level of hope. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you're excited to lose to uh Tom Brady in the playoffs because I Tom am giddy with anticipation. <laughs> We're going to see vintage Brady drop, drop back 50 times, complete 36 passes for 350 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I'll have to, you know, I think I have some homework because I want to look up like, let's say past 10 years. So from 20, I guess, 2012, uh, let's go with 2012, even though. Yeah. From 2012 to to now, look at all the top 12 receivers and see if anybody had a flukier season than Mike Evans. And I think I might get back to you on that. Yeah, yeah, I'll stand by it. Because if if you know me, you know that I love numbers, like yeah. stats. I, math look, 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 I, math was not stats. math was not my greatest subject, but history was. But um, yeah, no, stats was a lot of fun. Or is a lot of fun. Are a lot of fun. Is is for you. It should be R because plurals. But true. um, Yeah, stats are a lot of fun. Uh, I think so. I just went. So, do you have a New Year's resolution? Of course, I do. Another one. So, I'm I'm torn between two. Um, It's just a matter of which one I want to go with. Um. Okay. 
this this is this is definitely a draft one for next year. Um, I am not allowing Travis Kelsey to get past the two three in any draft that I do. Yeah, he is a, he's a cheat code still. He's he, he's incredible. He's incredible. If I'm in the back end of drafts, uh, odds are I will be taking Travis Kelsey with one of those selections. He is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, it would just be re- really romantic, honestly, for Travis Kelsey to just not do anything, honestly, for me. But now he he's he's ridiculous. He is absolutely worth every penny. I believe last year was the first time that he didn't finish the tight end one since I believe 2017. Um, his average, I think, 16 or 16 and change fantasy points per game, which is about 5.4 closest than the next tight end, which I believe is Kittle. I want to say, I believe it's, I believe it is George Kittle. Yes, it is George Kittle. Um, it just comes out of health. It comes out of health, and as long as he as, as he's healthy, and Patrick Mahomes is healthy, he, he he's worthy of a top top fifteen ish pick in 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 fantasy drafts next year. So, in ten team leagues, I'll be drafting him no later than early part of round two, and in twelve team leagues, I'll be drafting him in the first round. I, I'm I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard Travis Kelsey being a first-round pick. I know we've talked about it in years past. Uh, this is the year where I'm fully bought into Travis Kelsey being a, a number one uh, pick in drafts. And I just want to see because we always – I know, Adam, you're going to ask this question, and I'm going to answer it before we can even jump the gun. If you were to put Travis Kelsey – Travis Kelsey's numbers into wide receiver numbers, where would he be? He would be the wide receiver four. I was not going to ask that, but I mean, but I'm happy that you did it because – that's amazing. Yeah. He would be the wide receiver for. Oh, my God. He's literally, he's a cheat code. No, he's, he is absolutely incredible. He really is. Yeah. So he's worth, he's worth every penny to me. Also, where are you seeing that Travis Kelsey wasn't the tight end one? He wasn't the tight end one last year. Oh, last year. No, last year. You mean 2021? Yes, 2021. Okay. I that's, was when, like, that's when Mark that's when Mark Andrews was the tight end one. Yeah. I was like, you're you're freaking me out because Travis Kelsey had way more points than basically everybody. He had 300. Yeah. He was 96 points ahead of the tight end two, TJ Hawkinson. Yep. Travis Kelsey had 306.5. Fancy points in full, and TJ Hawkinson at 212.8. That's not the math's not right, but he had a lot of points. A lot more yeah, points. It's points that would be worthy as the wide receiver four. Yeah. That's crazy. Abs- absurd. He's worth the first round pick. I mean, let's play a game, Adam. Sure. Let's play, let's play we have a game. Time. Of who you'd rather have. Who would you rather draft in full? It, it, we'll do it in full. Eckler or Kelsey? <sighs> Getting the hard question first. 
where am I drafting the where like where is it? Because Eckler is going to be the first overall pick, or at least the top three pick next year. Just as is. Who would you rather have next year, Eckler or Kelsey? As is. Yeah, as I is. think I'd ra- I think I'd rather have Kelsey to be honest with you, just because he is a cheat code at a premium position. I still would take Eckler. I still would take Eckler in full. In half, different story. But in full, I think I'm. I think I'm still going with with Eckler. McCaffrey or Kelsey? That's another tough one. I think I'd still rather have Kelsey. I would take McCaffrey. I would still take McCaffrey. Uh, Derek Henry or Travis Kelsey? Um, this is in full. Yes. Half. 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 Um, I think I'd take Derek Henry. I think I would still take Henry. That's that's getting closer. That's definitely getting closer. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saquon Barkley or Travis Kelsey? Saying Barkley goes back to the Giants. Saying Barkley goes. Uh, I'd take Travis Kelsey. I think I think I would take Kelsey over Barkley. I think I would. Then the receivers: Cooper Cup or Travis Kelsey? Um, is well Stafford is back. In yep. Detroit, in uh, I was about to say Detroit, in Los Angeles. Entire team is healthy. Entire team is healthy. I think I would take Cup. I still would take Cup. Justin Jefferson or Travis Kelsey? I would take Jefferson, but it's tougher because the floor with Kelsey is amazing. Interesting. And Justin, Justin Jefferson, like all these top receivers, is, is very volatile. Interesting. I, I would go Jefferson. That's not that's not close for me. Really? I would go Jefferson, yeah. And this this all goes to my blow off New Year's resolution. Uh my last one that I'm gonna I'm gonna do after you after you give yours. Um let's just think who else. Travis Kelsey or Stefan Diggs. I'd rather have Kelsey. I'd rather have Kelsey too. Devontae Adams or Travis Kelsey? Devontae Adams in a, in Vegas. Yeah. For right now. And let's say for sake of argument, Derek Carr is his quarterback because why not? Okay. Say, say it's Derek Carr. I'd probably take Kelsey though. I still would take Kelsey. What if he goes back? What if he goes back to green Bay with Rogers? That makes it a lot tougher. I think I would take Adams. Is it's a, it's such a hypothetical because he's not going anywhere. But I think I would I would take Adams with Rodgers. Give us please give us the stack back. Just the Raiders trade for Aaron Rodgers or Devontae demand to go back to the Packers. Give us the stack back, please. I missed it. Um, and then is there one more that I wanted to say? I feel like I feel like there was. Uh oh oh yes there was Tyree Killer Travis Kelsey. I'd in rather fall. take in full. I think I'd rather do Tyreek Hill. I think I would do Hill as well. That's that's really tough. It's really tough. But I feel like just having that, like I said before, having a guy like that, like a, at a premium position like tight ends, where really there's four guys that are very good. That that those are your guys, you know, Kelsey, 
Hawkinson again. Now that he's in Minnesota, Mark Andrews and Kittle. Mm-hmm. Those are your four guys. Like that's and Travis Kelsey. And really, it's Travis Kelsey's in a tier by himself. I was literally about to say, I think Kelsey's in a tier by himself. And then it's Hawkinson, Andrews, Kittle. And then you get the and then you get to you know the the second tier. Uh, I still think I, I'm still taking Andrews over over Hawkinson. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't like a ranking. I'm just saying, like, those guys are there. Yeah, like those sure. those are all t- those guys are all together and of similar um, value from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, but just and you'll having some, a guy, you'll have some idiots that will want to want to draft Kyle Pitts in like round five again, and believe that Kyle Pitts is going to make good. Uh, you never know. I mean, Travis Kelsey was also a late boomer. He was, but it's also he's also in a much better situation than than Kyle Pitts is. Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is not going to do anything in Atlanta. He has to go Probably somewhere not. else. Yeah, he has to go somewhere else for him to have a chance. But I remember, I think maybe this was on the required radio fantasy show. I'm sure you talked about this on this on this podcast as well. Probably have. But there was a phrase he used to talk about Travis Kelsey. And it was probably when we did the Travis Kelsey draft as a whole, that, that, that mock that we did. But um, clear positional advantage or consistent positional advantage. No, I, the, I, believe, I believe the term that I used was he gives you a clear positional advantage. Uh, yeah. And that, that is valuable. Absolutely. You're going you're in. You're not. You're not going to find what the hell is I going to say? Oh, sorry. It it's you're not going to find anybody else in fantasy that's going to give you that kind of leg up on the competition. Like you're going to go into every matchup where you have Travis Kelsey, and when you're looking at the team that you're going up against, you know you're going to be one nil up on positions because you have Travis Kelsey. It's like you're playing golf with a stroke handicap when you have Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because you're get you're just getting points like right there. Like you know exactly. that you're going to be getting those points. Exactly. You're starting you're starting off most weeks knowing that you're up 10 nothing. I think we should bring back a new phrase and repurpose it for Travis Kelsey. And I think that you do you do sleep better at night with Travis Kelsey in full point PPR. Mm, no, I can't go there. I can't go there. He's not AB. He's not AB. Those were uh, those were cozy night sleeps with with Antonio Brown. Well, I'm happy that he's not AB because then if he was, then he'd be a nutcase. AB the person and AB the fantasy player are two different things. I don't I don't come on here and talk about individuals in their private life. I talk about individuals and what they do on a football field. And for me, there was no bigger asset on a football field than Antonio Brown and full point PPR. Travis Kelsey's up there. He's man was a man. gift. Man was a gift sent from up high. Anyway, well, let me go into my last New Year's resolution. And I have another one, but we could talk about it. Um, I, I'm kind of like, I'm going back and forth between these two. Um, and we could, you know what? I'm going to do this. So you can't use the term committee anymore, like a blanket statement when talking no. about running backs. No, you can't. 
you need to be mindful of what that split looks like. Because if you say, oh, that guy's in the committee, he sucks. Then it's like, congratulations. You're talking about 75% of the NFL. Like it doesn't, it doesn't narrow it down. It's probably more useful to talk about guys that are not in committees because they're only like maybe five running backs that are not in committees at the moment. I can, so it's Henry, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. Um, well, it just depends on what, what you define a committee as, as the guy that's getting all of the work or getting most of the work or is the clear cut one because you could, you could, I mean, you could make case that the Eckler's in a committee. You could make that case. I mean, would you really say that the giants are a committee just because Matt Breida comes in on third downs occasionally? No, 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 no. But there are drives. There are drives definitely where, where Josh Kelly, he, he, he's, he's the guy. Yeah. But there like, are certain there are certain drives. Would you, would you consider that? Not really. Okay. So then, Eckler, McCaffrey, Jacobs, Henry, Barkley. Would you consider Chubb? I don't think I would anymore. No. Would you okay, consider so Chubb Harris in a committee? I would. I would say him and Jalen Warren are in a committee. Yeah, I would say so. Ah. No, I wouldn't. Okay, so that's seven right there. Joe Mixon, yep. eight. Well, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is nine. James Conner. James Conner. See, Mixon and Cook are interesting because later in the season, and it really for, throughout the season for Minnesota, you definitely saw a lot of Alexander Madison on drives. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't reflect the numbers. I mean, Dalvin Cook had 250-plus carries this year. Yeah, it's true. The only the only downside with Dalvin Cook is that the receipt the receiving numbers were down. He he didn't even eclipse 40, uh, 40 catches, which which is which is which is poopy. Um, yeah, but I mean, listen, I mean this this all goes back to what we were talking about during the offseason as well with like with with Dalvin Cook. The man just gets so much so much hate for no reason. Had over thirteen hundred yards, ten plus touchdowns. Dude was as consistent as, as as it got. Now, was it always pretty? No, no, it hardly ever is with 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 Dalvin Cook. But was he safe? Was he consistent? Was he reliable? Was he on a good team? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's what you're looking for. But yeah, the, going the thing, back, the thing with Dalvin Cook, let's cut you off, Adam, uh, is that he will he will definitely slide next year. And if he if you can get Dalvin Cook at round two next year, I, I I'm on my knees. I'm begging you. You must take that. I would take that just because like he does. I, if, I so an, if I could start in a 12 team league, I could start a draft with Dalvin Cook and Travis Kelsey. I would be jumping for joy. That would be nice. Oh, that'd be really nice. Yep. But I mean, going back to committees and committees, like, like we were saying, it's ri- it's a sliding scale, it's a spectrum mm-hmm. where you have. On the uh, on the opposite end, on one end, you have Derrick Henry, who gets almost all of his carry all of his team's carries, and we did point that out on the preview show, where it was like, well, he got like ninety percent or something like that. Don't quote me; I don't know. 
listen back to the preview show if you mm-hmm. haven't already to listen to the crazy uh, Derrick Henry stat about his usage. And then on the opposite, and then on the other end, you have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and Justin Jackson and um, whoever, and you have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and you have Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. And those are your guys that are in committees, capital C committees. Maybe, maybe the only committee that didn't really eat into each other was the Zeke and Pollard committee. Yeah. I mean, you could also say Brian Robinson when he came back and Antonio Gibson as well. A quick, quick question before I, I, I end off on, on, on mine. Um, where are you taking Tony Pollard next year? In Dallas. In Dallas. Honestly. In Dallas, let's, let's, let's start off with Zeke is there. He might and be. By the way, and by the way, Adam, great yes. bold prediction. Tony Pollard does have more fantasy points than Zeke. I know. By a lot. So great call. Yeah. Where are, you, where are you taking Pollard with Zeke? Where am I taking Pollard? I'm taking him in like the fifth round. I'm like, if he's there, I, I like him. I, like I was going to say round four. Yeah. I was going to say round four, maybe late round three, I would consider it. Just because he is very good. He's very good. In the fact that he, and you know, such great analysis. He's very good. But oh, he also, he scores, he scores touchdowns. He is great in PPR. And the Cowboys, it's like a tug of war between Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and Jerry Jones. Because Jerry Jones, I feel like, wants to use Zeke because he paid him all that money. And, I, want you, but, I want you to look at these rushing numbers really quick. I'm yes. just going to say two guys. One guy is Tony Pollard. I want you to tell me who the, who the other guy is. So player A has 186 carries, 988 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground with 39 catches, 371 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Player B has 193 carries, 881 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns with 103 catches, 686 yards, five touchdowns. Well, one of them is Tony Pollard. Who's the other yes. one? One of them is Tony Pollard. But I, which, is, which is Tony Pollard, do you think? Is player B Tony Pollard? No. Really? Player A is Tony Pollard. I thought he had more receiving touchdowns than that. Who's player B? Who is player B? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would this be the ultimate curveball? Is player B Zeke or something? No. Okay. Who is player B? 13 rushing touchdowns is a lot of rushing touchdowns. With 103 catches. With 103 catches. Yeah. Mm. Is player B Saquon Barkley? No. Okay. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. He's the RB1. Really? It's Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler. I was going to guess that, but I thought it was going to be too stupid. I was like, no, it's not Austin Eckler. But it is. That is Austin Eckler's numbers compared to Tony Pollard. Pollard Pollard has less carries, more yards, four less touchdowns. where Where the money is, is, of course, in the receiving. Only 39 catches for Pollard, but 103 catches for Eckler. But as a runner, as a pure runner... 
Tony Pollard was better than Austin Eckler this year. <laughs> Please don't clip that and no, I'm play it out of context. I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to, I promise. But, um, yeah, like, nuts. Well, absolutely nuts. There were a lot of games that I watched either, like, on regular TV or Red Zone where Tony Pollard would just break a tackle and then and just had this burst of speed where and he would just fight his way into the end zone for touchdowns as a runner he is fantastic and he would be a starting running back and we've talked about this also he'd be a starting running back on 60 percent of nfl teams yeah yeah that that may even be a low number because he he is stellar and he he is the guy with the fresh legs. You you can only you can only pick one. This is this is this is a very subjective question. You can only pick one: Tony Pollard or Brees Hall. Who are you taking? Very subjective. No injury. No injuries considered. No injuries considered. Yeah, just pure player. I would pure pick... player. You can only have one. Be the number one running back for the New York Jets. I think I'd rather have Brees Hall. But just because I have hope for him to be really good. But Tony Pollard, he is a, a close second. Interesting. You'd rather have the guy that you hope is going to be good versus the guy that you know is good. I know. That's very, very opposite for me. It's a, it's a very Jets fan mentality. Yeah. It's a very Jets hope, fan mentality. Hope springs eternal in Florham Park, New Jersey. It's the hope <laughs> that also kills. Do you know who you're talking to? I know, I know. Yeah, can't wait! Can't wait to be, just be carved open like a Thanksgiving turkey by uh, by Tom Brady. It's gonna be great stuff. Uh, okay, you want my last one? Oh, we have one. Oh, I have one more. Also, sure. You want? We can just hit. We can just hit him quick. Okay. Um, try to be. I won't. I initially wrote avoid, but I don't. Avoid is not the right term. But be mindful of running backs on teams whose quarterbacks also run. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. Now those are the two that jump off the page right away. As the strict as the strict runners. I mean, it, well, if Malik if say Malik Willis is the guy next year, are you fading then Derrick Henry? No. It's no. a different that's a different situation entirely. How? Because it's, I think the offense is more centered on Derrick Henry as opposed, I guess really it should be try to avoid running backs where the, where the quarterbacks running ability, rushing ability is the focal point. Like, okay. You know, so then you're fading JK Dobbins. A little, if, if Lamar, Lamar Jackson's Jackson back. back there. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I mean, what's the thing that we always say? Lamar Jackson is the, is the RB1 in, in Baltimore. It's true, but J.K. Dobbins actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Well, looked, I mean. He's looked half decent. It's true, which, which is great for him coming off of an ACL tear. I, I really hope uh, Baltimore just trades Lamar Jackson. I really do. Yeah, that situation is not. I don't know. I feel it's like. It's weird. It is it's weird. weird. I feel like they're kind of stunting his growth. As a, I, as I don't know if it's the growth, but it's just like the, there's just something. 
there's something with this team that I, I, it's do I think they're going to trade Lamar Jackson? No, but there's just something about the whole dynamic of the team that's just off. You can't be a rushing quarterback like Lamar Jackson forever. You need to be able. The reason Tom Brady is going to be able to play to it until he's 100 is that he does not run the ball at all. Correct. And he does not take hits. Well, I don't know. I think that one rushing touchdown that Tom Brady gave me to give me 61 points and, uh, in my super flex this weekend would uh, would would say the opposite, but you're right. You're right. He'll, he only runs one yard at a time. Listen, listen, I, I, I've said some things about Tom this year that I wholeheartedly regret. I'm so sorry, Tom. I love you. I still hate you. I love you, Tom. Please don't kill us. Um, you want, <laughs> you want my last one? Yes. The, the most controversial. Oh, I, I'm very excited. I can't wait. In full point PPR. Mm-hmm. In full point PPR. I will be taking a wide receiver with the number one pick. Really? Mm-hmm. Which receiver? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. But you will be taking a receiver. With the I will be taking pick. either Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson with the number one pick if I have one. Yes. Because the floor, it's exactly what we talked about with Travis Kelsey. The floor is so safe. Do Who do I think is going to be the one? If I had to do my ranks now, probably Jefferson. I think in 10 who would years. I take it to? Who would I take it to? I would take Cup at two. I think in 10 years, there's going to be a large shift in the dynamics of how people draft in fantasy. I think it's slowly happening right now. We saw it this year that if you had if you had any zero RB teams, odds are you were sitting really pretty if you had if you had a Justin Jefferson, if you had a Tyreek Hill, if you had a Devontae Adams, if you had a Stefan Diggs for a while, if, if you had Cooper Cup, you were also sitting really pretty. Like there was there was a chance that in drafts you could have walked away with a combo of Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs. Like there's a team, is it, there's a team in our league that went uh zero RB and they they, ma- they managed to get Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are those are three top 10 receivers right there. Yeah, that's actually absurd. That's a great, that's a great trio of receivers. I think I think more my my opinion is more curtailed because I, I'm in all of my leagues are our th- our three receiver. So I think maybe that's where my opinion is a bit skewed. I don't know if I would do it in any two receiver leagues, like in the guillotine, for example, where that is a, where that is a, a two receiver. I don't know if I would do it, but you also in- have two flexes. Yeah. So. But I, I also, I also think in a two, in a two receiver league, especially when, you know, if you have the number one pick, you're waiting 35 picks before you have to make another choice. Um, God, the worst part of that, of the guillotine was the draft. Oh, brutal, brutal. It's 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 the worst draft imaginable. It's terrible. Um, but that's that's where I'm saying you have to wait 35 picks for you to get your hands on a running back, which I don't know if I could really swing that. But in a 12 team league or in a 10 team league where you know the turnaround is is a little a little bit quicker, I would consider it. I would definitely consider it. like if if we're and this is just me going completely off the cuff, but 
say you could have you could have a situation without any pure ranks in front of me, where in a ten team league, you could walk away with Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Would you do that? I would do that. Yeah, as would I. Or if you really embrace zero wide receiver and you do it number one, walk away with Justin Jefferson. Let me just pull up. You mean zero RB, by the way. Zero RB. Zero RB, yes. I've done that a lot lately. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. But walk away with, if you take Justin Jefferson at one and you you fully embrace zero RB, walk away with Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb. Would you do that? I think I would do that. That's... Absurd. That's a monster receiver room. That's a at monster. That, that's a monster group of receivers. At that point, it doesn't. I mean, it's not like it doesn't matter who you have at running back, but you could, you could, have, you could afford to take some risks with that receiver room. Sure, sure. And you could, and, and you could really go all out. Maybe you get lucky, and back in around four, you get your hands on a Mark Andrews. Oh, if you get really oh. lucky, that's like that's. Mwah. Yeah, that 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 is an unbelievable team. That's it. Almost abs- it almost doesn't matter in full point PPR who your running backs are. Almost. Yeah. Well, you know, listen to episodes of the Mailbag, and like some of the Mailbag. Yes, and listen to some of the dilemmas that some of our listeners had, mm-hmm. and we're just like, how the fuck did you get that team? <laughs> I tell you, some 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 of my listeners. They yeah they did they did really well this year. Oh, New Year, same old tricks. Come on, Adam. More <laughs> things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. Hey, but, nice thousand yard campaign from Christian Kirk, by the way. Yeah. For as good as the Tony Pollard take was, the Christian Kirk take was not that good. It bounces out. Uh, and then what was the what was the other one? What was the other one that I was gonna I was gonna come at you for? Uh. Oh yeah, no no Chiefs, uh, no Chiefs running back in the top fifty. Yeah, well, it was looking good until Isaiah Pacheco did came onto the scene. True, McKinnon. Well, well, Jarek McKinnon was was that guy. Yeah, I should have just said Clyde. That would have been easier. It would have been right for one. You would have been right. You would have been a million percent right because he just got injured. I mean, what do you, what even happens to Clyde? That's another thing. Oh God. I, I honestly think I could try and reincorporate him and they're just gonna make this a full blown absolute disaster. Ugh, I hate it. It, it. it's rough. You know what? Since we don't have another mailbag coming up, can we go over our starts of the week? Unless, uh sure. Sure. Unless me... any of them are on Monday or, or tonight. Yeah, let me let me pull them out. Let's see. Let's see. Maybe cabinet here all right so aha here we are so let me just pull up the week 17 scoring uh so your start of the week was justin herbert he was okay mine was jared goff he was good he was good uh your start of the week was tyler algier really good 
Really, really, really good. Nice little 16 points from him. Uh, my star of the week was Cam Akers, 100-yard day. I'll take it. Then my start of the week at the receiver position was Christian Kirk. I'm not going to take a full L on the Christian Kirk one just because they got pulled at halftime. So I'm not taking a full L on it. And your start of the week was Garrett Wilson, which was was... no bueno. And then your start of the week at the tight end position was Cole Komet, which was a Fairly good one. He scored. So that made it wor- worthwhile. And my start of the week was Dallas Goddard, and that was dreadful. Yeah, that's that's rough. If only, if only I just saw I saw Trey McBride. Or if I saw Brock Wright. Well, uh, Detroit is cra- Detroit is like <laughs> turning into the new Tennessee as you far know, as like fantasy you know craziness. Six touchdowns scored by the Detroit Lions, last six. Receiving touchdowns scored by the Detroit Lions, all been scored by tight ends. Yeah, Shane Zilstra scored three. Yep. And then Brock Wright. It went, it went Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, Shane Zilstra, Shane Zilstra, Brock Wright, Brock Wright. Try saying that three times fast. Literally. That is crazy. But Detroit is just a weird place for ty- for just players in general. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to be looking at Detroit like next year for guys. Um, I will not. I will not. Unless like Jameson Williams is on, on waivers. I'm just like, you know what? I can't do it. it. I can't do it. It's a mess. It's, it is an absolute mess. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, this has been fun. Excited for a more casual uh, atmosphere in the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show uh, going forward until next season, which before you know it, will be right around the corner. And I, I don't want to think about it because, you know, we're still in the current season, technically. So uh, either way, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcast. For my co-host at Birdsall, I am Adam Castor, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.